Good morning, everyone. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. If you bow your heads with me, just for a brief word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you so much, Father God, for your mercy, for your grace, and above all, your love. But for your love and for your grace, none of us would be here, Father. And so we are grateful and thankful. And we thank you for the life that we have in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, we, we humble ourselves before you. Speak your heart to us, Father God, that we might hear it. And our prayer, our hearts are prepared to receive it and run with it in Jesus' name. Amen. Appreciate you bringing the warm weather back with you, CJ. It would have been better if you'd have sent it ahead, but uh, we're not going to complain. I want to uh, share out of the book of Jonah this morning. I know it's a very familiar book, and some probably hoping not. You're hoping that, oh, Lord, I know this already. I don't want him to, I don't want to go to sleep. Uh, I you know what? I'm going to trust God that's not going to happen this morning. But I want to, you know, I want to focus. I could not get out of this book the last three or four weeks. I just couldn't do it. And so I felt like, you know, when uh, Pastor CJ asked me to share, I just felt like um, that's what God wanted me to do. And we're just going to uh, see what God does. But uh, I want us, as we go through this, not to focus our attention on a lot of the minutia and the outside stuff. Forget about the fish, okay? I, I can't relate to that anyway. If there's anybody here who can, please let me know. It's not about... as much about troubled waters, it's not as much about being swallowed up with the fish and, and all of that than it is about a man's struggle. A man's struggle with what God is telling him to do. Now, I can relate to that. I got a couple of amens. I want to hear amens from anyone who can relate to that. All right, we are at church this morning. And I'm going to start in Jonah 1, verse 1. And I'm going to tell you ahead of time, we're going to spend some time in all four of these chapters. They're short. I'm not going to go verse by verse and so forth. Some we're going to park on, some I'm just going to give a summary of. And the one thing I do want to focus our, a lot of our attention on is in, you know, eventually we'll get to Jonah 2. I will park at Jonah's prayer. Because I feel like there is plenty there that we can learn from, that we can apply in our own personal situations. Amen? All right. Chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm reading out of the ESV. 
if that matters to you. Now, the word of the Lord, hold on. I'm turning my volume down. Uh, pray for my daughter, Desiree. She's at home, not feeling well. She has a friend that she likes to FaceTime with. And if I don't turn the volume down on my phone, she uses my account, it will ring. So while I may be distracted when the FaceTime message comes up, you won't never know it happened, hopefully. So. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now, there's something very wrong with this picture. Jonah is a prophet of God. Now, prophets of God aren't people who just have their toe, one toe in the water with God. They're all in with God. They've made vows to God to obey him, to walk in his way. They'll go anywhere God sends them and declare his word. Many of them got killed for delivering God's word. And they did it boldly. They did it in faith. They did it without regard for their lives. But in this situation, this man of God, this prophet, was told by God to go to Nineveh not to preach love and forgiveness and all that freely stuff. He just wanted to send them a word about the evil that's in that town. And it got a rise out of Jonah. It caused Jonah to struggle. God told Jonah to do something that he knew would be extremely difficult for him to do. Why? Because the people of Nineveh were brutal and violent. Jonah's people had suffered from their brutality time and time again. And I tell myself, perhaps Jonah's family personally suffered loss of property, uh, loss of limbs, loss of life. And so Jonah had a deep-seated hatred and bitterness for the people of Nineveh. So much so that Jonah wanted the people of Nineveh to be wiped out. That was his vision for Nineveh. Are you feeling encouraged? That was his vision for Nineveh. And we see by verse 3 that Jonah did not just sit on his hands and refuse to go. Jonah went the opposite direction of where God wanted him to go. He ran from the presence of God not toward Nineveh, but in the opposite direction of it. He was determined he was not going to do that thing that God had called him to do. He was willing to let his hatred of the Ninevites get in the way of his relationship with the Lord. And I, you know, 
I've gotten more and more comfortable with it throughout the years, but I, you know, I like to be real when I preach. I like to be real when I'm sharing out of the word of God. And, and there's reasons I can relate to characters like this in the Bible because I've been in that place where Jonah is. Deeply personal hatred. And, 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 and even so, I've been to that place regarding my own parents. That sounds sad to say, but, but, but I'm a young man that grew up in a town, the same town as my father, and my father did not want to be a father to me. And as a little boy, I grew to be resentful, and, and I grew to hate him, and I grew to convince myself I don't need him, and I don't care about him. You know, at first I was wondering what's wrong with me. Why didn't he want to be in my life? Why didn't he not? Why does he not want to be a father to me? But then that flipped. I don't care if he ever wants to be my dad. I don't need him. I'll never need him. And it became a resent. It became a resentment and a bitterness that I carried to me well with me well into adulthood. My mom was different. She was always there, loved her. She was a single mom most of my uh, childhood because of the irresponsibilities of my dad and so forth. But she ended up getting into an abusive relationship. And after there was one incident that happened um, uh, where, uh, where he physically physically abused me and that was the last straw my mom sent me and my only sibling at the time to live with her mother back in Waxahachie we were living in Hillsborough I was in the second grade at the time and I wasn't able to see what my mom the heart behind what my mom did all I saw was she chose to stay with that evil man instead of keeping me and so I was in a dark place uh, in regard to both of my parents for a while but I but 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 God got a hold of my life and I am I'm happy to say that uh, before my dad died God softened my heart toward him. I was able to forgive him. We were able to have a relationship. I was able to actually love him. And my dad died when we were on a mission trip in Puerto Penasco one year. Uh, in his early 50s, unexpected. And I praise God often that he would not relent he kept putting my dad on my heart and the importance of reconciling with him, the importance of forgiving him. I, I, I thank God that he dealt with me so much so that I was moved to reconcile with my dad and I don't have to struggle. I didn't have to struggle after he passed away about what could have been. Amen?
And if you're already, there is no condemnation. If you're already at that place, if you know, if you feel, if you had bitterness towards someone and that person is gone and and uh, before you could reconcile and everything, I just want you to know that there is still hope. You know, you can still choose in your heart to forgive and to love that individual. You can still honor God in that way. And there's healing and wholeness that can happen in your life. And, and it can become a testimony to you that can, that can be life and give hope to others. Amen? So this is just my story. <laughs> All right? Uh, I'm just sharing out of what happened to me that allows my heart to connect with Jonah and, what, and his struggle here. He's been personally hurt and affected by these people, and God is saying, go and share my word with them. Are you with me? So Jonah was willing to walk in the ways of the Lord and obey God. But when his will ran opposite of the Lord's will, he ran in the opposite direction of the Lord. I can relate to that. I've told God on a number of occasions, I, I am not going there. I'm not doing this. I just flat out refused. Obedience seems so righteous and godly and awesome when it's easy. But man, it feels so unreasonable when it's not. It's not fair, it's not right. For God to ask this of me. He knows what I've been through. He knows what my struggle is. He knows I can't handle this. Why would he ask me to go there? Are you hearing me? Why would he ask this of me? This is not right. I'm not doing it. It's not fair. Bethany's over there. She'll tell you she's heard. All of my daughters have heard this for years when they come up to me with that not fair stuff. I tell them all the time, a fair is a place where they judge pigs and serve fried Twinkies. There's no fair in life. But it's not fair. I don't want to do it. So he pays the fare, he gets on the ship in Joppa, and he's headed to Tarshish. Uh, verse 5, let's skip on over to verse 5, and we'll get, we'll get moving. Uh, I don't know if anyone noticed, but uh, I think we forgot to uh, move the clock up back there. Because it looks like I still got an hour and a half, you know, so I'm saying. <laughs> he gets on the ship 
and all of a sudden this tempest comes and this tempest is so wild you have these experienced shipmen that are afraid for their lives these people have are throwing all the goods that they plan to make profit from all overboard and doing whatever they can to stay alive and while they're doing it let's go to verse five the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his god and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. I want you to notice something here. Jonah <laughs> is completely outside of the will of God. What he's doing is an act of rebellion against the will of God. Yet he is sleeping peacefully. Peacefully in the ship let this be a lesson to us being able to rest and be comfortable with what you're doing doesn't necessarily mean you're in God's will it's amazing what we can get comfortable in right especially when God is stretching us, when he's, he's calling us into an area that's been a no-go zone for us. We can be totally comfortable going in the opposite direction and, and, and feeling good about it, being totally at peace with our decision. And be totally out of step with God. Let's go on. Uh, verse 11. I'm trying to, not to uh, belabor everything, but there's just so much to say here. Uh, Lord, just guide my lips. Only what's necessary. The, I guess the sailors went to Jonah. They decided to cast lots. To find out, they were all crying out to their gods. They needed to find out what is the cause of this. Who has ticked off whose God? And how do we appease him so that we can survive this thing? Okay, they cast lots. They fell on Jonah. Jonah lets them know, yeah, they ask where he's from, what people is he from, you know, who is his God? He tells them, yeah, you know, I'm a Hebrew. I serve the most high God. Yeah, I'm rebelling against him. This storm is here because of me. And they're like, come on, man. What do you do this? Why did you do this to us? Okay, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. I think that's one thing we need to consider. These other guys weren't the ones outside the will of God, but they are getting the spillover from the one who's in their company. Amen. And I don't think we often see the impact that our own willful disobedience, that our own rebellion from God, although we're peaceful and content in it, all right, the effect that it has on the people who are around us, on our family, our loved ones, those we work with and interact with. 
We need to realize sometimes, really, it's just not about us, right? So these people are suffering because of his disobedience, and they're trying to figure, okay, now that everybody knows it's you, the problem is between you and your God, how do we get out of this? How do we stop this thing for us? And he says to them, it just blows my mind, and he says to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Now, the solution that Jonah offered is rooted in bitterness toward the people of Nineveh and his refusal to obey the will of God. And here's why I say that. If Jonah had a change of heart, if his motivation was to do the will of God, he would have told them to turn the ship around and drop him back off in Joppa so that he could go to Nineveh and do what God told him to do. Does that make sense? That's all right. But Jonah didn't want to do that because bitterness and rebellion had control of his heart. When Jonah told the sailors to hurl him overboard into the sea, what he was really saying is this. I may not be able to flee from the presence of God, but here's what I can do. I can choose death over going to Nineveh for God. I'd rather die right here in this sea than to go and take God's word to those people. I, mean, I don't know if you've seen it that way before, but, but that's, that's just real talk. That's just the way that it is. Now, even the sailors realized that it made more sense to take Jonah back to Joppa where they picked him up. And I'm not going to read it, but I encourage you to. That's why they initially rejected Jonah's solution and tried to row him back to dry land. He said, yeah, just throw me overboard. They're like, mm, come on, this dude's crazy. Let's try and get him. But the, but the storm got worse. It worked against them. When they tried to row back to dry land, it would not let them. You know, this is just me was going through my head as I was reading. I believe that if Jonah had said, if, take me back to Joppa, God would have calmed the storm and allowed them to do it. But that wasn't in his heart. He wasn't repentant. That wasn't in his heart. God didn't allow them to take Jonah back to Joppa in that moment because he knew that Jonah had not repented. Jonah still had no desire to obey God concerning Nineveh. Taking him to Joppa at that time would have been a waste of time. As a prophet... Jonah vowed to honor God and obey his will. But when God told him to go to Nineveh, he reneged on that vow. So God would not allow others to do for you what you have vowed to do for him. It was up to Jonah to be willing to go back to Joppa so that he could begin that trek to Nineveh. It wasn't for them to do for him. Right? And as much as people might love you and wish the best for you, they can't do for you what it is your responsibility before God to do. 
They can pray for you. They can encourage you. They can physically pick you up and put you in the place you're supposed to be. But until in your heart that is where you want to be, it will be a waste of time. So after they made sure to pray to God and say, hey, God, we're going to throw this dude overboard, but please, uh, we don't want you retaliating. <laughs> we don't want to be responsible for innocent blood. You know, we have no choice but to do this. So what he said, and God let him do it. And switch on over to chapter two, and here's where we'll spend the rest of our time. God let him do it. And, it, and, it, and the scripture says that God commanded a great fish that came up and swallowed him up. And he stayed in that fish for three days. Now, before we read chapter 2, the prayer of Jonah, I want you to think about how deep-seated this man's bitterness is. And how hard his stance is against doing God's will. All right? This man has a death wish. This man asked them to throw him overboard in the middle of a storm in the sea. They do that. This man is willing to die. They do that. God brings a huge fish to come swallow him up, and he's in the belly of a fish. Why do he have to be in there three days? It took that man three days to get to the point where we're about to get here in, in uh, Jonah chapter 2 before he finally got to the point where he's like, okay, God, <laughs> I'll obey your will. He sat there stewing in the belly of a fish. I don't know if it's a whale or whatever fish it could be. Maybe it's a fish we don't even know about. Uh, so, so mysterious is, is the depths of the sea. But it took that man three days in the belly of a smelly fish to finally get to a point to where he's like, okay, God. And let's look at his prayer. After three days. Then Jonah prayed, verse 1, to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, now, that's a little artistic license right there. I mean, I wouldn't say God cast him in there. He told the guys to throw him in there. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountain. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. 
Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. I love the King James Version, uh, which, which says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. He got to the point. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Now, you know, I believe it happens so quick. You know, in one verse, he gets thrown over the board and the fish comes and scoops him up. So it makes it seem like it just happens so immediately. But I look at this prayer and it seems like a man reflecting back on the fact that as he's sinking into the sea, and he's into the depths and, and, and he's in the process of struggling to, to, for air and, and, and he see, feels like his, his life is ebbing away. He's on the verge of drowning and, and, and he's contemplating, oh man, you know, maybe this wasn't the best decision. And he said, in the midst of that distress, he's like, in the midst of my rebellion, in the midst of my disobedience towards you and despite my bitterness and unforgiveness and mean-spiritedness and so forth you still came through and scooped me up you still brought this fish and preserved my life i was on my way to death i was on my way to the pit i cried out to you i wasn't in the best place when i did it but I cried out to you. I'm in this situation because of my own choices. I'm in this situation because this is where I chose to be. And yet I called from you out of it and you came and you, and your compassion and your mercy and your love and your faithfulness toward me caused you to answer and come through for me. When the life was fainting and ebbing out of me, guess who I remember? I remembered the one I was rebelling against. I remember the one I refused to obey. Yet my, yet my prayer was still able to penetrate into your holy temple. And he had that epiphany. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Say salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah realized it's not up to him to decide who gets salvation and who doesn't, who God's favor goes upon and who God's favor doesn't, who God judges and who God doesn't. Salvation belongs to God. His job is to obey the will of that God. Amen? And once he had that revelation, verse 10, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out, sorry, vomited Jonah out, upon the dry land. 
God did not want Jonah on that dry land until Jonah had gotten to that place. And we all know the story. We've been hearing the story of Jonah ever since we were kids in Bible school and, 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 and you know, um, Sunday school and so forth. We've heard this story. We, we know he goes and shares the word of God. He goes with an eight-word message. <laughs> an eight-word message. God told him, after that fish vomited him out, he said, okay, now go do what I tell you to do in the first place. <laughs> and all he said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's all he told the people. I mean, eight words, no flowery prose, no love. In 40 days, you people are dead. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. I'm out. That's all he did. And he left. He said, I'm obey God. I have no desire for these people to be saved. And he went to the east end. He went outside on the, he went out east of town. He, he couldn't even stay in Nineveh. And he was observing. And I know deep in his heart he's observing, okay, I, I want these people to reject God so I can see him later smack down on these people. And he, he's just observing. But a funny thing happened. These people repented, radically repented, national repentant, fasting, no food, no water. The king laid down his robe <laughs> and proclaimed a national fast. Nobody, not... No, nobody can eat or drink anything. I don't even want your pets to eat or drink anything or your livestock to eat or drink anything. And his reasoning was, who can know? Okay, God's going to, he's going to take us out. But we're going to humble ourselves before him because, hey, who can tell? He might have a change of heart. It wasn't even guaranteed. They did this in the hopes to appeal to him. I just summarized chapter 3 for you. <laughs> then Jonah's worst nightmare came to pass. They repented. And God changed his mind. He went from having Jonah declare that he was going to lay waste to him in 40 days. to having mercy and not judging them. And we all know how Jonah felt about that. And God had to minister to him. And it's not lost on me that, you know, Jonah's the guy that wrote this book. He's a prophet, but this is not a prophecy. This is a, a narrative <laughs> of, uh, you know, a testimony, a narrative of what he went through, an incident that he went through with God. 
a, a time in his life that wasn't his finest moment. It's, it's very vulnerable, to be honest with you. It's very powerful to me. A whole nation repented, radically turned around. Because of the heart of God and the obedience of one man. You know what encourages me even more? I think it's fair to say that Jonah ministering to Nineveh wasn't perfectly done. His heart wasn't all the way there. He probably could have said a little bit more. He probably could have really tried a little harder. If he really wanted them to repent, I'm sure he would have done more. But it encourages me that it doesn't have to be done perfectly in order for God's word to accomplish what he set it out to accomplish. If you're walking in obedience to God, even though you're flawed, even though you don't do it quite perfectly, it does not prevent God from accomplishing his will. Amen? And so you may be out there and you may feel a call on God's life. You may feel God's call on your life. And, and he may challenge you to do something you feel you're ill-equipped to do. And, you, and you, you, you convince yourself that you have all these reasons why you're not up to the challenge yet. I want to challenge your thinking on that. Okay? Because it's not about perfection. It's not about your ability as much as your willingness to go. Your willingness to obey him in the thing that he's calling you to. And if you're willing to do that, God has all he needs in order to accomplish his will through you. Amen? You do not have to be a perfect vessel. You have to be a willing and obedient vessel. God will take care. Will take care of the rest. And I want to... Go back to that prayer a little bit. And I just want to challenge you today. today. I want you to just kind of visualize, close your eyes and just kind of visualize Jonah in that well, arms crossed, face twisted up. Determined to stay right there and not do what in his heart he knows he should do, what in his heart he knows God wants him to do, but he's got his hangups, he's got his scars. And I want you to then internalize that and allow God to really speak to your heart and see where you might be in that same place. It may not be a fish. I hope it ain't. 
Obviously, it's not. You're here in the sanctuary. But it's not about the place. It's about where you're at in your heart. And I'm just going to say some things and I'm going to, and I'm going to let God deal with you as he sees fit. But we live in a society today that, that, that promotes division, that provokes judgment, that provokes, that, 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 that promotes finger pointing, that, 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 that encourages us to look for others to be, you know, to be angry at and, and, and so forth. For, for a number of reasons, okay? Uh, it could be for financial reasons. It could be for faith reasons. It could be a, a, a political ideology. It could be uh, like familiar relationships like with me. Maybe there is someone or a specific group of people based on the way they believe, based on their ideology, based on whatever the situation is, you've got to hang up in your heart toward them. And God can't, he can't move on you to go and to bless those people, to pray for them, to love them in the way that we ought to be able to as children of God because we have a root of bitterness or judgment or unforgiveness toward them. In that way, we're being just like Jonah was to Nineveh, right? Are you hearing me? And so I want you to just reflect for a moment. And open yourself up to God and, and, and ask the Lord if you're not already feeling convicted in that way. Ask the Lord to reveal your heart. Ask the Lord to reveal if there is anyone that you have a root of bitterness toward. Is there anyone that if God told you to minister to them in love that you, you're not sure if you'd be able to do it? And I trust that as God reveals that to you, if there is such a person or persons that have that effect on your heart, that your soul is in anguish at the thought of God somehow blessing them or bringing salvation into their lives and so forth, I trust that God will minister to you and that you will surrender to him. And that you will reach the same conclusion that Jonah did. Lord, salvation belongs to you. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm an ambassador for him. And Jesus, while hanging on the cross, said, Father, forgive the ones who hung me here. 
for they know not what they do. I've got to be an ambassador for him. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But God is not slack. As some count slackness. He is not willing for anyone to perish, but wants all to come to salvation. That is the God we serve. That is the heart of our God. And that is what he wants us to represent in the earth. Amen? And so in those areas where we've been wounded and scarred, don't be surprised if God wants to stretch you in, in, in order to bring wholeness to you, in order to bring victory and, 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 and healing and through you, that he might challenge you to obey him and to show love in an area of your deepest struggle. That's one of the biggest takeaways I get from Jonah's struggle. He wanted to avoid it. God wanted him to walk through it. I don't know, to be honest with you, uh, I wish the book of Jonah had a couple more chapters and gave a little bit more closure, if you will. Um. I feel like it's a bit of a cliffhanger where it left, where it ended. We don't know, you know, uh, we don't know uh, how Jonah turned. And, and, you know, we know he was ticked off. Uh, We know how God appealed to him. Hey, you were sad about this plant that came up in a day, was gone in a day. What about me? These 120,000 people in Nineveh and their livestock. Who don't know their left hand from their right hand. Yeah, they're sinners. They're brutal. They're violent. They do evil things. But I love them. I don't want to destroy them. I don't want to judge them. I'd rather they repent. I need you to take a message to them that will give them that opportunity and perhaps spark repentance. And I just believe we need to be willing to obey God no matter what. Even if it involves a little personal pain and discomfort on our parts, maybe that's a struggle for you. I would encourage you to trust God in that struggle and obey him.
Hallelujah. Would you please stand? Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask the uh, members of the prayer team to come up. If the, you know, Ken and Paula Hall, the Brew Bakers, I don't know how many prayer team members are here. Just if you're here, I would ask you to come. Because there may be, there may be some here who need to unburden themselves that need an opportunity to be ministered to in prayer. Let's, let's pray. Father God, again, uh, we thank you for your, we thank you for your word. Your living word. Your rhema word, Father God, that that, that that comes into our lives and quickens us, Father God, and can convicts us, brings light in the middle of our darkness. Father God, uh, I just thank you for the for the way you've ministered today, Lord, from the beginning and worship and so forth, even to the to the word. Uh, we submit this time to you, Lord. This time of prayer, this altar time, we, we just surrender it to you, Lord, and submit to your will. I pray, Father, uh, the, that the Holy Spirit is doing his work even now, uh, convicting hearts, strengthening and encouraging those who need to, to come up and receive prayer and, and, and that they will respond accordingly. And uh, I just thank you for it in advance. Uh, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, that will just conclude the service. Uh, if you will not be coming up for the altar call, um, I would uh, encourage you in your time of fellowship that uh, uh, you would fellowship out in the foyer outside in the sanctuary just out of respect.